kiddos can head out to the lobby. You have folks waiting for you out there. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad to see you. If you are a guest here, we're glad that you're here. My name is Jamie Moore, and I serve as associate pastor here over Discipleship and Families. And we are continuing in our series called Idols. Idols. And um, I have the privilege um, to look at the idol of image and approval. Image and approval. And when Dennis and I uh, were looking at this series of sermons, I just picked this one straight up. And the reason I did is because I have dealt with this for the majority of my life. And I wanted to get revenge (laughs) on it. But the Father has been really good to me over my life and has shown me uh, a lot of things that have brought breakthrough to me. And I believe the Father wants to come in great gentleness and tenderness and to bring healing to everyone in here with regard to image and approval. But first, some fun. Um, Have you noticed that people are really into taking pictures of themselves? Has anyone noticed this? And have you noticed also that in all of the apps, Instagram app, Snapchat app, on your phone, you can do something to the picture, and it's something called a filter. You know what I'm talking about? So you can take a picture of yourself, and then you can filter it to look like something else or someone else. So the Moore family had some fun this last week playing with filters. So let's just take, take a look at some. Here's Bailey and me. Obviously, we don't have those sunglasses. Here's one with Bailey. Next one. Then there's this thing called the old face. That's Caden with old face. Jess asked. She went ahead and did old face as well. And then there's another filter that's called baby face. This is Jamie with baby face. <laughs> There's another filter. Okay, just hold, hold on a second as well. Okay, okay. The, ne- the next picture, if you got kids, you may want to just cover them, their eyes. This is Jamie uh, as a female. Let's go ahead and see that. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a sight, isn't it? The beard. It's glorious. Now, this is the last filter. Hold on one second on this, Isabella. Hold on one second. It's called the Sasquatch. Sasquatch filter. What happened is, I just, the, when I saw the beard taking advantage and this, this female with the beard, I thought, what, what does the Sasquatch filter do? So it takes advantage of the beard. And this is what I look like with the Sasquatch beard. There it is. <laughs> That's Chewbacca. That's Chewbacca. I told my kids that I would go... So they all... Yeah. Now, 
I had a friend, and he was getting ready to go back to a high school reunion. And he had a, a, a female friend of his was on Facebook, but he hadn't seen this female friend in 15, 20 years prior to the reunion. And this Facebook friend of his was always filtering her pictures, but he didn't realize it. So she was always filtering her pictures to take away all imperfections, take away all wrinkles, put the rosiness in the cheeks, put more eyelashes, all of the stuff. But he didn't realize it. And I don't think many of her classmates realized it. When they got to the reunion, they didn't recognize her because the only thing they had seen of her is Facebook pictures that had been filtered. Are you all hearing me? So when they actually saw her, they're like, what? You look 15 years older. Why? Because she had spent social media filtering away age. And I know it's fun for us to look at filters, but it's actually something that is targeted at our hearts. Like the girl who takes the selfie, quote unquote, first thing in the morning, it's the wake up selfie, except she's already spent an hour and a half getting completely ready to go with makeup and hair to make it look like she wakes up like that. And she's taken 50 of them to make sure the, the lips are in the right formation. Or the guy, middle-aged guy at the gym. Taking the muscle shots. Trying to get the 20-year-old girls to see him. Or the youth in a, in a previous church. We were ministering to one youth girl And on her social media page, it was always, things are going great, things are going great, pictures of puppy dogs and the cheeks and the the little rabbit ears and all of that stuff. And then we find out later she was self-harming and cutting before and after those pictures. She was presenting that everything was fine, and yet she was self-harming. Or the mom and dad, I'm just going to speak from personal experience, the mom and dad that have been cussing out their kid on the way to church and then gets out of the car and puts on the smiley face to make sure everyone knows that they're the good parents. Right? Hmm. Image and approval. Image and approval. Biblical definition of idols we've been using here Idols are counterfeit gods that cannot satisfy or give life, but bring death and destruction. And the goal of this series, the goal of this series is for all of us to identify the current idol in our heart, reject this counterfeit God, and turn to Jesus, the great physician, for healing. So here's the sermon from Luke chapter 3. The sermon is in three parts. Number one, the imposter idol of image and approval. Number two, a father's approval. And then finally, good news application. The imposter idol, a father's approval, and then good news application. So let's go after it. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here. I thank you that you are kind and gentle and patient and faithful and tender with your kids. And Jesus, we honor you you are, you are the great God-man, God in flesh, who shows us what it is to be fully human. 
And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. And I ask that you would give revelation, that you give wisdom and clarity, that above all, that you would seal in our hearts the reality of who we are in Christ. So we offer you this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First part, the imposter idol. The imposter idol. Genesis 3, 7 to 10. Now, this image and, apostle, <clears throat> this image and approval idol, here's the definition of it. I've got it on the next slide. It is, the image and approval idol says this, I am only happy when people see me a certain way or when I am loved and respected by the people around me. I'm only happy, I feel a sense of peace and calm and meaning in life if, if people see me in a certain way or they respect me or they love me or there, there's some sort of way that they see me. And the manifestation of this idol is something that I'm calling the imposter self. I got this phrase from Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning was a Catholic priest, uh, monk as well, um, and wrote a book entitled Abba's Child. And I highly recommend this book to you. Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. And Brennan defines imposter this way. He says, imposters are preoccupied with acceptance and approval. The false self suppresses or camouflages feelings making emotional honesty impossible. Living out of the false self creates a compulsive desire to present a perfect image to the public so that everybody will admire us and nobody will know us. The imposter's life becomes a perpetual roller coaster ride of elation and depression. That phrase, everybody will admire us, and nobody will know us. That phrase haunts me. Because <laughs> it, it is at the essence and the core of this idol. What's the biblical example? It's Genesis chapter 3, 7 to 10. Adam and Eve, they're hiding from God. It says, then the eyes of both were opened. Why? Do you remember? Eve eats this fruit. She and Adam eat this fruit. They rebel against God. They look at each other and they see that they're naked. They sow fig leaves together. And they're hiding. Then the eyes of both were opened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam and Eve see something is missing. They get nervous. They see that they're naked and they immediately want to cover it. Do you see? They immediately go to cover something. There's an exposed vulnerableness and they go, I need to cover this. I need to cover this. And then God's presence enters and they actually hide from God. He's their creator. He's been walking with them, with them through the cool of the day in the garden. And now there's this, no, hide. Further, they're hiding from each other. There is, a, there is a hiding from both God and from others. See, the imposter self, that image and approval self, 
really struggles with being vulnerably me in front of everyone. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And that's that picture of the, of the image approval idol. I'm going to hide. I'm going to cover. I'm going to hide. I'm going to distance myself so I can't get rejected for who I really am. Now, personally, I dealt with this regularly growing up. I thought it was social anxiety. And by the way, I think that's a thing. So I'm not saying that all people who suffer with social anxiety, that this is what's happening. But for me, it was. I thought it was social anxiety. I thought it was shyness. But actually, it was. I would be nervous about entering a social space because I realized I could not control what everyone thought about me. I couldn't be funny enough for everyone to like me. I couldn't be cool enough for everyone to want to hang out with me. And it was so exhausting keeping up this appearance and keeping up this imposter. It was so exhausting that it was easier to just not go. Then in my professional life, once I started moving into ministry, I remember the first time I served in a church. It was a little country church, a little Baptist country church outside of Waco, Texas. I was a sophomore in college. It was when George W. bought his ranch out in Crawford, Texas. Y'all remember that? That was while I was at, on staff at Shiloh Baptist Church in Crawford, Texas. I was the choir director and the music minister. And prior to that first service, I'm a sophomore in college. Prior to that first service, I went to the bathroom and was sick to my stomach thinking about having to be up in front of people. I thought it was just shyness, but it was actually I couldn't sustain presenting myself as awesome to everyone. It was so exhausting that I was scared to even try. And throughout ministry life, the Father has systematically, lovingly, and he's challenged me to consider what does it look like to minister from a place where you don't need anyone's approval in the room, where you can just say what God is saying? And he's done it lovingly. He's also done it really painfully in my life. He's put me in church situations, and he's asked me to lead and do things that I knew would tick off everyone in the church. And then he said, do you want their approval or do you want my approval? And I'd like to say that my answer was always yes. I want your approval. And then the day that he said, Jamie, would it be okay with you if I used you to be the pastor that closes this church that you're pastoring? By the way, he wasn't asking my permission. (laughs) You see, when the father starts asking you questions, he wants you to think about something. And my answer was like, yeah, absolutely. I want to do whatever you, and then I started thinking, hmm, that means everyone in the church will think that I'm the pastor that screwed that church over and killed it. It means everyone in the community will think that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm a terrible leader. That means that people will think, that I'm not really as good as I want them to think I am. And it took me three, four, five, (laughs) six weeks to deal with that. 
and then to lead anyway. (laughs) And to do what the Father asked me to do. The reason I say all that is because I think we all deal with this thing. And it's destructive. The destructive power of this imposter is seen in the life of Judas. You remember Judas? He's one of the disciples. In fact, all of the disciples saw him as the conscientious financial guy, right? He's taking care of the purse. In fact, when Jesus in the upper room says, the one who eats this bread is the one who will betray me, and then he hands it to Judas, right? The disciples don't get it. Why? Because Judas had presented the imposter. There's no way Judas is the guy that's going to betray you. He's the all-star among us. Are y'all seeing this? Judas had been posturing as the varsity disciple. And it consumed him. So much so that it cost him his life. It makes me think of, uh, of those celebrities who... And, and I don't know all their circumstances, but I'm thinking of folks like Robin Williams and others that have felt like they always have to be on, right? I've got to be the one that's always bringing joy and making everyone else laugh, even though on the inside, I'm dying. And that, that image and approval, it, if you continue with it, it will destroy you from the inside out. Being fake. Vulnerability is a must. It's crazy to me. Judas was in a small group, and nobody knew the real Judas. (laughs) I mean, you know, I have responsibility over small groups. (laughs) Judas was in a small group that I would consider had a good teacher. His name is Jesus. (laughs) I would think there was vulnerability in that small group, and yet nobody knew him. You see the destructive nature of this image and approval idol. Vulnerability is a must. So what's the answer? It's a father's approval. Second part. A father's approval is found in Luke 3, 21 to chapter 4, verse 30. I'm calling it identity, temptation, and calling. You remember 1 John 2, where we started this series? 1 John 2, 15 to 17? It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, these are not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And we looked at those three, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's what's, these are these three categories of temptations, three categories of idols. And this series is walking through those three. Dennis just hit the first two that were on the desires of the flesh. We looked at comfort, pleasure, and sex. We looked at self-determinism, control. Now we're moving to the lust of the eyes of approval. So we're looking today at image and approval. Um, And then we're looking at consumerism and materialism next week. So we're just walking through these. But the key is the Father's love. And John says it. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The antidote to all this image and approval stuff is the love and identity of the Father, and we see it in Jesus. That's our passage. Three scenes in the life of Jesus that shed light on the imposter idol. I'm not going to be able to preach through this text, so I'm just going to walk right through it and just make a couple of comments. So this is Luke 3. 
21 and 22 is the first scene. It's called the baptism, the identity of Jesus, then the temptation, then the rejected calling of Jesus. Here's the baptism. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Had Jesus done anything in his ministry life yet? Answer, no. Amen. Love family worship. Jesus hadn't done anything yet, and yet he is the beloved son in whom the father is well pleased. This is my boy who I love. This is, my, this is the apple of my eye. This is the guy that I love, and I'm well pleased. He brings me joy. I have his picture in my wallet, and I look at it. I love him. That's the father's cry to his son. And it reflects the triune God. From eternity past, the Father, Son, and Spirit have lived in a relationship of love and delight in and of themselves. The Father has always delighted in the Son. And the Son is always delighted in the Father and the Spirit. And the Spirit is always delighted in the Father and the Son. And so at the baptism, we get to see this triune affection and identity breaking in. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus' primary identity is that he's a beloved son who brings great joy to the Father. And listen, that identity carries him through temptation and ministry rejection. That's the big idea. Let me say it again. The identity that the Father speaks over Jesus carries him through temptation and through rejection. That's the next two scenes. The temptation of Jesus is found in chapter 4, 1 to 13. There's three temptations here. The devil says, if you are the son of God. Do you see that? If you are the son of God. What is the devil tempting Jesus with? Identity. Y'all see it? He says, if you're the son of God. If that's true of you. If. You're the beloved son in whom the father is well pleased. If this is true of you, then this is what I want you to do. Take this stone, make it into some focaccia. Mm. He's targeting the identity of the son of God. Okay, if you're loved, if you're this loved one, then prove it. Prove it. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Second temptation is with regard to authority and ambition. Verses 5 to 7. He tempts him. He says, listen. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He said, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. (laughs) I'm tempting you with authority. Oh, by the way, it's Jesus' authority. He created all things. Prove it, grab it, get it outside the plan of the Father. There's more, I gotta move on. Verse 9, third temptation, approval and spectacle. And this is what gets me. He took him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. 
starts to quote scriptures about the angels protecting him, bearing him up. Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What's, what's the enemy doing here? Puts him up on the top of this temple. Do you think there's some people at the bottom of the temple? There's a bunch of people around the temple. They can all see him. It's spectacle. It's celebrity. Can you imagine all the people around the temple and they look up like, what's that dude doing? Is he jumping? He jumped. Now he's floating. Apparently he's Iron Man. And what would have happened? It's spectacle. It's look at me. It's look how awesome I am. If you're the son of God, if you're as loved as you are, then he's going to make a spectacle so everybody can see you and glorify you. You see it. Jesus' relationship with Abba carries him through this temptation. He says, I am loved by my father. I don't need to make bread to know that I'm loved. I'm loved. I don't need to bow down to you to get authority. I am loved and I will get authority when I lay my life down. I don't need to prove that I'm loved by making some spectacle and preaching some amazing sermon. <laughs> right? To feel loved. I don't have to preach an amazing sermon to be loved by Abba. For all the other leaders, you don't have to grow a big business to be loved by Abba. You don't have to have a big church to be loved by Abba. You don't have to have a big ministry or a big small group to be loved by Abba. You don't have to beat this quarter goal to be loved by Abba. Third scene, the rejected calling of Jesus, found in verses 14 to 30. So Jesus leaves this temptation. He returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and report about him went out throughout all the region, and he taught in the synagogues. Verse 16, he goes to Nazareth. This is hometown. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it is written. These are the words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll like a boss and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, stud, and he sat down. He said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Did his hometown receive it? Answer? Nope. In fact, they picked up stones and like, we're going to kill this dude. The approval of the father carries Jesus through rejection. Did Jesus stop ministering because his hometown rejected him? No, he actually goes to the next town and just starts healing people like crazy. People rejecting you has nothing to do with the Father's love for you. People liking you or not liking you has nothing to do with the Father's love for you. People liking what you have to say or what you've been called to do has nothing to do with whether the Father loves you or not. <laughs> That's freeing. The good news is that God the Father is gracious and kind so I don't have to prove myself. Let me just read it again. God the Father is gracious and kind, so I don't have to prove 
myself. That's the good news for the imposter in all of us. We are loved because of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. By faith in Christ, we become the righteousness of God. So that what is said of Jesus, listen to me, what is said of Jesus when you are in Christ is also said of you. By faith in Christ, when the Father looks at you and you've been covered by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, He sees you as the beloved son and daughter. You are the one in whom He is well pleased. That's the good news of the gospel. And we're tempted to try to prove ourselves outside of the Father's approval of us in Christ. So three circles handout. We've been looking at this. If you've got your handout, you'll see it. I've also got it up on the screen. Again, God's kingdom. We were created to be with Him and enjoy life with Him and to be loved by Him. And we have all rebelled against Him. The Bible calls that sin. And in our rebellion, we find ourselves in a place of brokenness. That's that place where you feel like something is missing and i got to do something to prove myself. So this particular idol is the squiggle that goes out. I will try to project myself as being really awesome and try to hide the fact that I'm broken. I will do everything I can to project not broken. Listen to, listen to how smart I am. I'm not broken. Look at all the degrees on my wall. I'm not broken. <laughs> Look at the clothes I'm wearing. I'm not broken. Look at my Chewbacca face. I'm not broken. Look at the big church that I have. I'm not broken. Look at the money I have. I'm not broken. Look at the business I started. I'm not broken. Look how studly I am. I'm not broken. <laughs> Except for me, in my case. Uh, I'm not broken. 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 And we will do all of these things to try to cover it up. And it doesn't work. The only thing that works and brings peace and approval is repenting and believing in the gospel. That's it. You can make all the money you want. It won't, it won't fix it. You could be a celebrity. It won't fix it. Repent and believe. I'm turning from the need to be projecting my imposter self. I'm saying no to that. I'm saying yes to Jesus and receiving what he has done for me on my behalf. I don't have to prove myself. Jesus has proved himself for me on my behalf. So I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from this broken idol thing and I'm going to receive Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus for me. Repent and believe the gospel. And then you see recover and pursue. And that's the last part of this sermon that we're looking at. Recover and pursue. How does this practically look? The good news application is this. Hearts can be at rest in the Father's love. I'll just be honest with you, the imposter self is exhausting because you're always trying to like keep it up, right? I walk into a meeting and I got to keep up this imposter thing. It's exhausting. Oh, oh, she looked at me weird. Is she thinking that I'm, I better say something smart right now. It's exhausting. You see, our hearts, when they get all restless and anxious because we're trying to maintain some sort of approval thing and the imposter, it's exhausting. 
And the father says, why don't you come and I want to love the imposter right out of you. I want you to come and experience rest. I want, I actually heard Abba say this. He said, Jamie, I have a tendency when it comes to kingdom stuff to be a little. I, when I start talking about the Lord and what, what he's doing, I get a little bit of grit and a little bit. I want to punch the enemy in the mouth. It, it's just, it, it happens to me. And I heard the father say, because I was like wanting to punch my imposter, you know. And the father said, Jamie, I even love your imposter. And I want to love him right out of you. He said, I don't want to punch him in the mouth. I want to love him right out of you. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I want to ask you a question. Will you let the father love your imposter self right out of you? Will you let him give you rest from having to keep up appearances to look awesome and funny and amazing and successful and significant and worth hanging out with? Will you let the father love that imposter right out of you? Brennan Manning, in chapter 2 of his book, he writes about the imposter. This is, (laughs) he's amazing. He decided to, he went on a retreat, and he decided to write a letter to his imposter. And this is the last couple paragraphs in that letter to the imposter. He says this, in his presence, he's talking about God, in his presence, I notice that you, he's talking to his imposter, you have already begun to shrink. Want to know something, little guy? You're much more attractive that way. I'm nicknaming you Pee-wee. Naturally, you are not going to roll over suddenly and die. I know you will get disgruntled at times and start to act out. But the longer you spend time in the presence of Jesus, the more accustomed you grow to his face, the less adulation you will need because you will have discovered for yourself that he is enough. And in the presence, you will delight in the discovery of what it means to live by grace and not by performance. So five practical steps, and then we're going to be finished. Number one, I want to encourage everyone to change your vocabulary with regard to God. I did this about six years ago. I was challenged by a mentor in my life. Um, there was a season where, if you were to look at me, you would, you would probably define me as a serious theologian. Well, that was the imposter that I was presenting. <laughs> because I never smiled, and I never talked about God with joy. Because I thought, to be really spiritual, you had to be serious. And then a mentor of mine said, Jamie, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. He said, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Then he challenged me. He said, Jamie, I've noticed whenever you pray and whenever you talk about God, regardless of the members of the Trinity that you're referring to, you always use the abstract G-O-D. He said, Jamie, what I want you to do is to... Not ever use G-O-D 
if you're referring to one of the members of the Trinity again. If you're referring to the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, go ahead and refer to him as God. Fine. But if you're going to refer to the first member of the Trinity, the Father, call him Father. Or call him Abba. I said, why? He said, because your vocab needs to lead your heart where it needs to go. Because I was saying God, but by saying God, listen, not everyone does this, but for me, when I said God, I was able to keep him distance from me. He's G-O-D. He's God. But when I changed my vocabulary, I said, I'm going to use Father or Abba when I talk about the first member of the Trinity. I'm going to use Father. And my heart didn't feel any different for a while. But when I prayed, I said, Father, not dear God. By the way, Jesus said, pray like this. Our abstract, eternal God. Is that... No, he said, our father. And so I I deliberately changed my vocab. And over time, the love of the father changed my heart to match the words that I was speaking. So I'm just going to encourage to you, refuse to use G-O-D when referring to the first member of the Trinity. Use father or Abba. And over time, that actually changes the inside of your heart. It is Abba who keeps me It's his approval and love that keeps me from needing to prove myself to everybody who's looking at me right now. I don't need you to love me because Abba has perfectly loved me in Christ. It's good. Second practical. Check your heart before and during social interactions. Um, If you've got a meeting coming up, before you walk into the meeting, just check your heart. Am I needing to prove myself to my boss? Am I needing to show up and and be something special that I feel like I'm not in this meeting? Am I needing to impress coworkers somehow? Just check your heart before you enter a social interaction or before you post something on social media. Just ask your heart, am I doing this because I genuinely want to share what's going on in my life or have I made up an activity to do that I normally wouldn't do because I want other people to think that I'm the kind of guy that does those things? Oh, it just got real in the house. Before you post, ask yourself, am I doing this to get people to think that I'm the kind of guy that would do this thing? Here's my coffee cup and my Bible. And then, very important, while you're engaging socially with another person, check your heart. Why am I saying it? Why am I saying these words to this person? Do I want, am I trying to manipulate the way they see me? Like when someone asks me a question, I will think through, oh, I could answer it this way, this way, this way, this way. And if I use the SAT words, they'll think I'm really smart, so I'll choose the SAT words. Is it bad to use SAT words? No. Is it bad when Jamie's trying to do that to make people think he's smart? Yes. Y'all see it? It's like, a, it's, it's like, yeah. check your heart. Thirdly, when you feel restless, anxious, nervous, like you're trying to, trying to, trying to keep it up, ask the Father, what's going on? I do this all the time. Abba, what's going on? Why, why do I feel this way? Huh? I mean, he just happens to be one of the greatest executive leaders of all time. I should be fine around Dennis, right? Right? He's only a leader extraordinaire. I should be fine. (laughs) Right? 
The guy who left the church that went to the ground going to the guy who ran PNG, right? I should be fine. When you're in social interactions with someone, watch your heart and ask Abba, what's going on? Dennis is my brother. Why would I feel weird like I have to prove myself to him? Ask Abba what's going on. Fourth, regularly confess to the Father something like that good news statement. Abba, you are gracious and kind. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. Abba, you are gracious and kind. I don't need these likes on this picture. Abba, you are gracious and kind. I don't have to project anything to anyone. Just regularly confess it to them. Finally, take off the fig leaves. That's a metaphorical sense, of course. You can get arrested, at least in Texas. I don't know how Ohio works, but take off fig leaves. Take off the imposter self in prayer. Don't be fake with God. If you're mad at something that's happening, scream at him. Don't, don't hide in the bushes with fig leaves on in your prayer life. If you're mad, scream at him. He's a big boy. And don't be imposters with people in your small group and in your community. It's something really healthy. Remember the question that, Ab, that Yahweh asked Adam and Eve? He said, where are you? Abba is calling MCC to be the kind of church where everyone walks around going, here I am. Abba is creating a church here at MCC where there's such vulnerability that we all walk around, no fig leaves, not hiding, here I am, this is me. This is me in Christ. I'm in process and this is me. Take the fig leaves off. And allow yourself to be in the kind of community that will call you out on your imposter. Remember, remember, Peter was called out by Paul. Peter went to Antioch. This is after the resurrection. Paul's in Antioch. And Peter comes and he's hanging out and he's eating with the Gentiles, Gentile believers. He's eating with them. Then James, the leader of Jerusalem, sends some dudes to Antioch. And they're these stud religious leaders. And what does Peter start to do? He starts to feel anxious and he avoids the Gentiles and starts just hanging out with the Jewish believers. And Paul has to call him out on it. Why? Because Peter is an imposter in that moment. He's trying to prove himself to James, the big leader in Jerusalem. We do it all the time. And we need people in our life that will look us in the eye and go, that's an imposter. What are you doing? Let's pray. We're going to go into some prayer time. Band, you can come up. Prayer teams, you can come up. We're going to pray and allow the Father to literally love the imposters right out of us. I'm going to ask you to do something, and this will actually instigate the imposter in all of us. Because the imposter says, Jamie, don't, don't stand up or be separated from anyone else. Don't let them see that you're struggling with anything. That's just imposter stuff. So if, as I've been preaching, you've been hearing the Lord identify, there's something in me that needs to go. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because it actually says to the imposter, what everyone else thinks about me is not as important as what Abba says about me. So we're just going to have a time of prayer. I'll just guide us. And then we're going to be dismissed. Abba, we come. And we thank you that by faith in Christ, our sins have been exchanged for your righteousness. And that you see us as your beloved sons and daughters in whom you are well pleased. That we bring you great joy and delight simply because we are in Christ, not because of anything that we do. And I ask Jesus that you will come, that you will embrace my brothers and sisters. That you will give them rest. That you will love the imposter right out of us. to give you freedom to just pray speak to the Lord and I'll come back and close us hear our prayers